Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. Hey, we're speaking with Michael Edinger of New York, New York. How are you, Michael? Uh, I'm good, Joe. Let me uh, let me take out speaker, okay? That's great. I can remember how to do that in this strange world we live in. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I'll proceed. How are, how are you, Joe? I'm doing really well. I, uh, what, I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. I, um, you know, I get, a, I get to uh, interview a lot of folks. And um, one thing I like to do is I really like to interview people that are probably the best in their field. And I tell you, I, I really did a lot of research on your, your trademark process and the service you provide, and I find it to be unique in the United States. Uh, it is. You, uh, first of all, thank you for the kind words, but, you know, it, it is unique, and, uh, for, you know, for your listeners. Um, we're a, an elder law estate planning firm, and um, what we've done is uh, we've combined these two fields of law, elder law, which is disability planning, and, and estate planning, which is death planning, and um, for a number of years now, more than two decades, I've taken the position that it's actually one field, that you can't plan for disability without planning for death and vice versa. So we renamed the field because for political purposes, the bar has an elder law section and they have an estate planning section because the estate planning section is 100 years old and the elder law section is maybe, uh, you know, uh, half of that, 40, 50 years old. So they have different you know, histories, backgrounds, but to the general public, uh, everybody needs a lawyer who can do both. Nobody wants to do a, a plan for disability without have, saying what happens when they die and vice versa. So these days, these fields are merging. And, and, and for our listeners who are, you know, confused between elder law and estate planning, well, elder law is disability planning and estate planning is death planning. So let, let, let's break this down here. So, um, some of the things that I that I found fascinating by this was your business model, the, the way you do things um, is that uh, folks, first of all, they can find you at trustlaw.com. Isn't that right? Yes. That's, yeah, right. that's a that's a pretty good, pretty good website because you're you believe that creating a trust is a really good start for some folks. But the thing I liked about it was that you keep your clients and control the process with their pocketbook. Isn't that right? You know, very astute of you to pick that up. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, we're the only uh, 
estate planning firm in, in the country that uh, takes no fees until the matter is completed. And uh, this arises out of the traditional way of, of planning. All estate planning lawyers are trained the same way. We're trained to uh, have our one or two consultations, uh, give the, present the client uh, the, uh, who's interested or willing to go ahead, present them with a, a fee agreement, which they sign outlining the terms, and they usually give the retainer check for, for about half the fee. And I, I did this myself for many years until I sat down and tried to analyze it and analyze why lawyers are trained to do it this way. And I finally realized that the reason lawyers are trained to do it this way is because it's good for the lawyer. Why else, you know? But is it good for the client? Um, I don't think it's good for the client because when the client signs the retainer agreement and gives a check for half, the client actually has nothing to show for it. In fact, the client is in a net negative. They actually are, 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 are minus because they have paid something and they have nothing. So they actually have a loss of control. They've given up something. How long have you been doing that for, Michael? Uh, what, the, the no fee until completion? Yeah. I would say uh, probably uh, close to 10 years now. Um, but, but let me tell you why we do it, Joe, because what we realized is if we don't charge any fees until it's done and the client's satisfied, you mentioned it, but I just want to elaborate. We're putting the client in control of the process. We're saying, look, you are always in control here. You can get up and walk away at any time until you signed everything and you declared you're satisfied and only then are the payments due. So I actually have a fee proposal. They don't sign it. I sign it. And I say, unless and until you write us a check, you have no obligation to the firm. This, in my view, is an absolute breakthrough in legal thinking because lawyers do not think this way. They do not. They're not client centric, customer centric. They don't put the client first. It's not the way we're trained. It's not the way the profession is built, but it's the way the world is today. It's just the law profession hasn't caught on to it. You know, I, um, I, I, when I first met you and I heard this process, um, so I, I'm a, um, I'm an injury lawyer, so I, I try cases and I, I'm what they call a 100% commission salesman for people that uh, are listening. I, I don't get paid unless we come through for the client. Right. And I, I saw this as kind of like this, a similar thing um, for you guys because you agree to help folks and then uh, unless they like the, the, the process, they don't pay you. No, no. Well, you know, any good entrepreneur knows that, you know, basically it's a money back guarantee. Every good business person knows that when you have a money back guarantee, you're going to lose, you know, one, two percent of your clients will, you know, not go ahead or, you know, they want their money back. You know, it's just the nature of, of the world. Um, but you'll end up doing twice as much work. You'll do twice as much business because, uh, the guarantee is, is you know, very, um, you know, gives people a sense of safety and security that they wouldn't otherwise have. So you end up doing a lot more. And, and, and what you lose by giving up the guarantee is just the cost of doing business. It's not significant. Now, so but before we get into this uh, very interesting process, you know, when I was in um, law school, 
I uh, took a number of courses and um, one of them that we had to take was tax law. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is going to be so boring. It ended mm. up being like one of the most interesting classes I've ever taken. And, you know, I, when I saw that, you know, that, uh, you know, people were speaking about trusts and estates and wills and all these types of things, I thought was the same thing. But, you know, one of the things that I, that I, you know, I know for a fact is that 100% of us are going to pass away. And I think you give a stat that 50% of people at some point in their life are going to be under a disability. So your product is needed more than ever because people want to keep control of the process of what's their legacy. Well, you know, you're, you're bringing up a good point. You know, um, you hear from financial advisors, accountants, lawyers, you need a will, you need a will, you need a will. But actually, that is, is uh, passe, in my view, because uh, having practiced elder law now for more than 30 years, I believe that planning for disability is more important than planning for death. Because if you ignore disability with the cost of long-term care today, there may be nothing left for the people after you're gone. So if you don't move to protect the assets, it becomes a moot point. And it seems yeah. like there's a vacuum there that if you don't make the decision and you don't uh, prepare the pre prepare properly with with a guy like Michael Edinger and his 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 uh, his group, somebody else is going to be there to make the decisions for you, including the state of New York. Well, exactly. We, we talked about this. You know, what are you doing with with all these legal documents when you get an estate plan? Actually, you're taking back control from the courts, from the government. Um, and you give it back to yourselves and your family. If somebody becomes disabled and they don't have a plan, they get the state's plan, which is state-appointed legal guardian. You have a different, called a conservator in some states, the same thing. You have a stranger handling the affairs. The family has no say. And generally, that person is empowered to spend your money on you till there's nothing left. They don't have options to move to protect assets because they're subject to court supervision. It's not a, a private matter. So we want to avoid uh, not only having a stranger, but also ending up with the state's plan, which is basically spend it on you till there's nothing left. Wow. So listen, I, you know, what I always try and do with folks is I think people, you know, when, when they hire a, a lawyer or a law firm, they want to know um, who they are as a person. So can you give us a little bit of background about your upbringing and, and how you, you came to the point where you've been practicing for 30 years? Oh, yeah. Well, you got, you got me smiling now. You know, who doesn't like to talk about, uh, you know, how they came up and, and, and whatnot, you know, but uh, I, I'm probably more entrepreneurial than most lawyers. And uh, it's, I, so I started at a young age. I had a paper route when I was, uh, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old. And uh, as you know, I'm born and raised in Montreal. Uh, I even went out one morning, it was 26 below zero and delivered my papers, <laughs> at, you know, at six o'clock in the morning. Because I, you know, I, what did I know? You know, I had What was the name of the paper, Michael? It was the Montreal Gazette. And how many, yeah. how many folks did you have on your route? You know, I had about 45. And um, it was amazing. Uh, how much money I made at the time. I was just astonished. Every two weeks, I, I made about $40. And, uh, you know, we're talking, you know, 50, you know, but, but more than 50 years ago. Uh, it was, I had so much money, I had, didn't know what to do with it, you know. 
rich beyond my wildest dreams. You know, I, uh, I had a paper out too. I had about 150 papers for the Yakima Herald Republic in Yakima, Washington. And I tell you, those memories of basically learned capitalism at an early age that number one, you got to deliver the service. Number two, you get paid for what you do. And number three, the, the, I remember Michael going door to door to collect every That's right. We month. called it collecting, right? You go collecting. Did you have the same term? Oh my gosh. We, I had a little book and I went around and I did collections and I did 150, I went to 150 doors every month and I found out a lot about business. I, I found out about, for the most part, people paid their bills, but there was a certain percentage that would always avoid me or have a dog greet me. Oh, listen, you know, we got our experience in life. I had one client who, who comes, comes to the door in a negligee all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited to go collect from her. <laughs> but, you know, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, I remember more the generous people that, you know, at Christmas time or, or other times would, would basically go out of their way to make me feel good. And I, and, and, you know, I, I had that route for a couple of years, but I tell you, I wish every kid in America or, or Canada where you grew up could have had a paper route. I know nowadays it's not, you know, the folks that are doing the routes are, are doing the cars and there's not really, you know, as a robust a paper business because it's all online. But to this day, I still, read the wall street journal every day and uh get it delivered to my driveway and i, I like the process but yeah so i so you you grew up with that what what are some of your other memorable uh, well, jobs growing up well i just want to say you know you you remind me of something that we know as as lawyers you know whenever you have a, a bad interaction with a client or a client disappoints you which is you know of course inevitable you know invariably you know, a short time later, some other client comes along and just completely reaffirms your faith in humanity. It's just, you know, somehow it's, it just works that way. You know, there's so many good people. There's a few bad apples, but people generally are so good. They just continually restore your faith in, in, in mankind. So, you know, when I got into my teens, um, I started a window washing business and uh, I was going around to houses in a nice neighborhoods in Montreal and I would knock on people's door and I would say, would you like your windows washed? You know, and they would say, well, how much is it? And I'd say, well, uh, it's a hundred dollars. And they said, you yeah, forget it. So, um, you know, I went back to the drawing board and um, I came up with a new, new approach. Um, you know, people, I, I, I would knock on the door. People say, I wash your windows. People would say, well, how much is it? And I would say, well, do you want us to do the outside and the inside? They would go, yes. I say, would you like us to take out down the screens, hose them down, dry them and put them back? Yes. Okay. They'd say, yes. They say, you want us to uh, wash down the sills, wipe them and dry them? They go, yes. And then I would repeat all the services. Okay. So you want this, 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 and this, that'll be a hundred dollars. And I got almost every job. Wow. <laughs> Which taught me a lesson. Marketing is actually communicating, isn't it? Wow. All That's I was doing, stuff. I was communicating better. That's all. And, and I use those lessons to this day, you know, 50 years later. You have to communicate the nature and value of what you're providing in a, in a way that people can understand it. You know, a, law, a lot of lawyers, you know, they'll get up and they'll put on a seminar lecture. Nobody knows what they said. <laughs> so let, let me figure this out. You got a paper out when you're eight or nine. You figure out a business 
to clean people's windows inside and out. What did your parents do for a living? Ah, now you see, um, when I grew up in Montreal, my father was an entrepreneur. But all of my uncles were entrepreneurs and all my father's friends were entrepreneurs. I thought that in life, you own your own business because that's all I knew. I mean, everybody I knew owned their own business. That's, that's the, that was the, the milieu I grew up in. So I've always been oriented towards, you know, having and running my own business. And, uh, you know, it has its ups and downs, but wouldn't trade it for the world. That's great. So then, then you, you left that business, I'm assuming, in, when you were in high school. And what did you do after well, that? Well, I got into law school early. I was, uh, I was 19. Uh, when I went to law school, because um, uh, they had a program for, uh, you know, to you could accelerate it. I was at McGill University in Montreal, and they, they would take 10 students from the undergraduate and let them go to law school right, right um, after two years of college. It was an experimental program. Anyway, I, I did the arithmetic. I said, I can get out of college here three years earlier. I'm in. So uh, I was very fortunate. I got in it at 19. The problem was, I got out and I even uh, took an extra year and did a second degree, but I got out, I was 22 and I said, who needs a 22 year old lawyer? Nobody. So um, I went and I did a master's degree in England and uh, I got a master's in, uh, in, in maritime law. And that's how I was able to move from New York to the United States because um, I had a, an international law uh, field that was good all over the world. Shipping law is the same all over the world. Uh, so I was able to apply for jobs in New York, and I got a job in New York as uh, as a maritime lawyer, and I did that for, uh, you know, maybe five or six years, just you know, doing litigate litigation. Uh, then I went out. I, I opened my own practice. You know, after about five years working with a, a major firm, I realized when you work for a large firm, you have to do what the firm wants you to do. <laughs> you know, you have right. to be a good you have to be a good soldier. I had no, I had no uh, beef with the firm. I just knew that I didn't fit in there because you have to, um, you know, you have to play politics. You have to be accommodating. You have to, you know, brown those for better of a word. And I'm just, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're terrible at that. You know, you have no ability to uh, play, you know, to play up to people or to, you know, suck up to people or however you want to put it. It's just not in your nature. And the other thing about entrepreneurs is we actually know what to do. You know, we're just born with that sense of this is what you do and how you do it. Uh, or we do trial and error. And in a law firm, when you're working for a big firm, you have to do what they want you to do. Whether it's right or wrong is irrelevant. If it's, uh, I had a, a firm tell me um, that um, I wasn't putting out enough work. And they, were, they would tell me about another associate who was doing much more. And I looked at her work and I, I said, I know, but, but, you know, her work is a very poor quality. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how to do careless, sloppy work, but, but I understood after I thought it through more, I said, you know what? They're right. I'm wrong. They need volume. It doesn't have to be that good. It just is not a stand. It's not my standard, but it's not my firm either. <laughs> right. Yeah. So when, so you decided to leave after five, so you got your master's at the London school of economics, right? Correct. Yes. That's pretty good. So, yeah, it was good. It was good. Wait, you know? wait, did you have a good year in London? Well, you know, when I got there, I discovered you can't eat English food if you want to survive. So, uh, 
you know, th- those people, uh, I, I don't know what they, what, how their taste buds are, are connected, but, you know, the, the food there is terrible. This is the 1970s. So um, I developed a taste for Indian food, and yes. uh, I have that to that day. They have great Indian food in England. Yeah, but I was, was there in the late 80s, and, and yeah. um, it's all cosmopolitan food. That's what you eat. You eat the Indian food, you eat the... You know, yeah, Thai, Thai, Chinese, anything except English. Yeah, exactly. Right. But uh, but it was a fascinating city. I'll tell you that much. It's a great city. My daughter just graduated from uh, journalism there. So we were there in January for graduation. It was, uh, it was a nice thing to go back and spend some time there. Nice. But, uh, so what happened was after about five years, I went ahead. I opened my own practice. I hung out my shingle as a litigation attorney. You know, I did that for another five years. And then I was about 10 years into it. And, uh, you know, as a lawyer, probably my 11th year, uh, I, I heard about this new concept that if you if you set up a trust, you don't have to go to court to settle the estate. And I thought, wow, you know, who doesn't want that? I mean, I had litigated a number of will contests. I knew there were a lot of problems with wills. So I looked into it and I found out this is back in 91. Not only was it true that if you set up a trust, you don't have to go to court to settle the estate like a will has to go to probate court. Um, uh, uh, but at the time, the best estate planning lawyers were in Florida. So as you can imagine why, right? Yeah. So I went down to Florida, got trained as very good at estate planning lawyers. I came back, I closed my litigation practice, founded at Inger Law Firm April of 91, 30 years ago, just to keep people out of court. And, um, you know, I don't have to tell you, you know, going to court is a loss. It doesn't matter whose side you're on. It's a losing proposition. I mean, even you as a personal injury lawyer are going to do everything you can to avoid a court proceeding because uh, you lose my favorite word. You lose control. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how the judge is going to rule. And, you know, you've been an attorney long enough to know that when you go to court, you can lose a slam dunk case. I have. No, I get it. No, it, the, uh, I, I know that uh, I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said avoid litigation at all costs and you know, one of the one of the things that we do at our firm is try and educate the other side to do the right thing. And so uh, totally different, different approach. Um, but, I, you know, your approach on this, when you started in 91, um, mm-hmm. how many people were there, were there with you standing by you? <laughs> me, me and the secretary. That's how it started. I like yeah. it. Now, I'm looking at a picture. So. Folks, you got to go to trustlaw.com and check this out. It is a um, uh, it is an absolute great website. I I'm looking at this picture and I'm counting 22 women and two men. You one of them's you, and that was another fella. But you, at this trustlaw.com, which is the Enger Law Firm. Elder law estate planning. It's a it's run by the ladies. Well, you know, you know, I, I think that uh, twenty ladies do the work of fifty men. <laughs> I, but so let me let me see if I can. The, the thing I like about another thing I really like about your your trademark process is um, that you've got a. Um, Hey, um, Michael, we're going to edit this out, but is there any way you can fix your um, microphone? Uh, yes, I'll try to. Uh, oh. we'll, we'll edit this out. 
Is there any way you can just speak yeah. directly into the phone? Uh, let me try. Hold on. It's a, it's amazing, but for some reason I'm having trouble uh, doing that. Me changing from speaker to that. Yep. Yeah. So yep. Um, I think on uh, on actually the when, when you show up on your iPhone, if you can just go into the iPhone part of it and then or whatever phone it is, and then just tap on that where it says speaker, and then tap off. Uh, let me ask uh, my wife, Suzanne, can you uh, come and help me with this? I love it. Um, I do it all the time. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've never had a problem with it. So, so um, yeah, it's not that big a deal. It's like, uh, uh, but we're getting such good stuff uh, from you. And I just wanted to make sure it's somewhat clean. We'll, we'll be doing another one with you down the road on video because this is, I mean, I, I got to tell you, Michael, this is one of the best products I've ever seen. Well, <laughs> you know, Joe, it was going pretty good before the pandemic. No, I think you should you. double down right now while they're home. And I, I'm telling you. So are you just practicing New York only? Practicing New York only. But, you know, it's hard to do it uh, on the Internet. You know, we've done some remote signings. We're having remote phone calls. You know, we're having video chats. Um I'm doing a webinar tomorrow. Uh, I have about 250 people signed up, you know, so I'm looking forward to that. But the bottom line is, you know, people need to interact in person to uh, to do estate planning. It's, it's very uh, emotional. It's, uh, you know, you need to read people's reactions. It's, you know, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, a serious medical issue. You know, you want to meet the doctor face to face and, you know, you know, try to get a feel for, for um, maybe some of the non, all the nonverbal communication is lost. And, you know, the, the psychologist will tell you most communication is nonverbal. No, I get it. I totally get it. I mean, I, I'm the same way. When, when I meet with somebody in person, it's a completely different setting than meeting like this or meeting, you know, um, with, a, with a video. I, I totally agree with that. But yeah. the thing is, um, this is a no brainer, my friend. Well, I mean, this um, is an absolute no-brainer. If they understand this message, they're well, they're going to buy it. Yeah, the thing is, Joe, to, to execute an estate plan is a vast amount of documents, which you have to get to the client. I mean, the client can't print out, you know, that many pages on their little home printer. So now you've got to get somebody to the office, which is problematical. They have to prepare the documents, send them. Now you have to go over a complex set of documents with a senior sitting at home looking at this pile of paper, you know, the, the, the practical exigencies of getting it accomplished are, are rather difficult. No, I get it. So let's, let's continue on. Let's march on here. So I want to talk to you about your trademark process. All right. Well, you know, I was a strategic coach for many years. And one thing that every business has to do uh, is they have to be able to distinguish themselves from other businesses. In other words, you have to be able to show the public why they should choose you. And that's been described as uh, either unique, your unique selling proposition or the modern term is your unique value proposition. What do you offer the mar marketplace that nobody else is offering? 
so um, I had to sit down and figure out uh, many years ago, what was it going to offer to the marketplace that nobody else is offering or perhaps even willing to offer? And so uh, I developed a process which is actually trademarked in Washington in 99. It's called the Ettinger Elder Law State Planning Process. And we do a, a number of things. So, of course, there's any number of estate planning lawyers that can prepare your estate plan. But the vast majority of them, when you're done, they actually, you know, uh, say, you th thank you very much. Goodbye. And in fact, they send you a letter. It's called the CYA letter. You know what that means. And, and, and the CYA letter says, um, thank you very much for um, your, your patronage. This concludes our representation of you in this matter. And, uh, uh, you know, you know, the goodbye, basically. Um, the reason they, and, and I've listened to continuing legal education panels of, of ethics lawyers, elder law attorneys, state planning lawyers, they encourage you to send this letter because it starts the statute of limitations running so that if you made a mistake later on, they can't come back and sue you. This is how lawyers think and this is how lawyers are trained. Lawyers are more concerned with the one in 10,000 clients that's going to sue them than the 9,999 that aren't. So I turn that around. I'm not really worried about the, you know, about the one client that's gonna sue me. I'm insured for that anyway. So I do the reverse. I say, okay, now that you signed with us, thank you very much. We don't say goodbye, we say hello. Now, and this is a, our process and it's, it's paid, trademarked and it's published, we're gonna track your plan. If there's a law change, we'll tell you so that you don't have to worry if these documents are big, are going to become obsolete. They're good for the rest of your life. Um, no use me creating a new plan that is just going to become obsolete, just like the plan that they brought into me. I want to create a better plan. So my plan says, yes, this is the law it is today, but if there's a law change, we'll tell you if you need to change your documents. You can always rely on them for the rest of your life. Lawyers, they won't do it. I don't even have competition. No other lawyer even wants to do it because they're afraid that they don't tell somebody of a law change and the person can change their documents How and now they'll that? sue them. You know, that, that's, well, it's very easy. Uh, when there's a law change, the computer searches all the clients of that type of trust or that type of document, and it can send them a letter. Not, not, not then, difficult so, at all. So that's the first part of the process. Is So it sounds to me like you really care, like really, really care, about developing a lifelong relationship with these people that come into your office. Now, this is an interesting thing. So, I, you know, I'm born and raised in Montreal. I moved here when I was 22. I'm, I'm 66 now. So two thirds of my life has been uh, in the United States. I'm also an American citizen. I have been for a number of years. So I'm dual citizen. But I think it comes from the Canadian background. Um, you know, it's a more social you know, socialist country, if you, you want to put it that way. But people are more, um, it's not as capitalist. How can I explain it? Well, I think more Canadian, like more relationship-based than transaction-based. Like, uh, I want a plan. I want to create a plan for somebody that I know will work 20, 30 or more years from now. Otherwise, I just created a plan that will work today, but nobody wants to use it today. They want to use it as far in the future as possible. So it's that... It's that desire. Basically, you know what it is in a word. It's quality. I love it. That's I love it. I love the quality. I love you. The, the, the striving. For, and you sat down and thought about this for a long time.
you've gone through the you've gone through well, the he, court process yeah. where you had to deal with people that didn't do it right, didn't have the, the will, didn't do it that right, or even had a will, and you yeah. thought about a way to make give your clients the control that they crave. They wanted that control. I mean, listen, we don't control when we're gonna die. We don't control when we're gonna become disabled. We don't control any of that stuff, but we can control what we can as far as our estate planning, our elder law planning. And I love that you're sending them a letter saying there's changes. Do you want to get involved? But there's also other things you do. There's other steps as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a few other things in that trademark. One is we publish a law letter once a week because information that people need to know is not in the newspaper or magazines. It's actually technical information. So we keep them advised once a week. We want an award for the law letter, but it's free. Uh, every two years, this is interesting, I think. Every two years, we invite all our clients to breakfast. Nobody in the country does that. It's just, it's, it's, it's totally un, uh, you know, unappreciated. But why do we have the breakfast for the client every two years? Well, we're building the relationship. We think it has value. We actually invest in the client relationship. Um, and, and, and then finally, the key is this. Every three years, we send each client a letter in the mail uh, and by email. It's time to come in for a free review. You know, very, very few lawyers around the country want to offer a free review because they're taught to, uh, you know, bill by the hour, at least in my field. It's not contingency like your field. Um, so they don't want to offer a free review. But the reason I offer a free review is because I realize that if I charge for it, nobody would come in. And then, and then, you know, the plan would be obsolete. Or some people, if I charge for it, some people would pay, some people wouldn't. So I'd have two tiers of clients, one set of clients that are up to date and the other set of clients that are obsolete. So I made it free because uh, it really wouldn't work otherwise. And it, it pays for itself. I mean, people um, will use us when they need a Medicaid application or when somebody dies, they'll give us the estate administration. We have a relationship. Uh, the other thing we do is, you probably know this, lawyers are trained when they do wills to have a, a secure place in the office, a safe or whatnot, and they store the original will for the client. And they tell the client, we're going to keep it here for safekeeping. But the reason lawyers are trained to do that is because you can only submit the original to the court in a probate proceeding. So the lawyer knows when somebody dies, they can't sell the estate without going back to that lawyer. Um, and, you know, this is this is the way law has been taught and practiced for decades, even more, you know, more than 100 years. Um, but we turn that around. We don't do that. We give the client the original and we say, look, you have the original. And then we work hard to make them want to come back to us instead of them having to come back to us. You know, lawyers think they can just do the will and sit there and wait 25, 30 years. And the person when somebody dies, you know, the family will come back and use them. You know, that's a depressing not, business um, model. Sounds like to me. Well, the, the reason lawyers were traditionally trained that way is because we were told, here's an annuity for your retirement years. You know, when you get older and your clients start dying off, you have an estate administration work to keep you busy. And it's not really that. You stressful. know what I, I really like, um, I, you know, I've known Michael for a number of years. And, and the, the thing that I really, really liked about his group, you know, you check out the picture at trustlaw.com. You see all these women and then there's him and another fella that. Tell, tell, tell the folks about your team, the amount of turnover you have, all that type of stuff. Well, uh, you know, we don't really have any turnover, uh, Joe. Um, you know, we, 
uh, you know, we have a happy group. We have, you know, a successful firm, uh, you know, happy clients. We're dealing with seniors, the greatest generation. Um, you know, it's just, it's a good place to work. And, and um, we've, uh, you know, you and I have, have worked together. And one of the things we've learned in, in, in our group is it's very important to eliminate negativity. So we don't have any negative, you know, people in, in the firm. We move them out, you know, so we don't, uh, we don't have that much turnover. But we've got somebody who's not happy, either because of their personal life or their professional life or whatever. We move them out. And, and, and so we have built actually a very cohesive, happy team, which is helping us a lot in the pandemic. You know, you know we're, we're, we, we communicate every day. We, we, we share stories. We share anecdotes. Uh, you know, philosophies, how we, you know, our approach to this. And, you know, the biggest, you know, the biggest um, issue in, in, in the COVID pandemic is people's attitudes. And so we work on people's attitudes. You know, uh, I like to quote Shakespeare, you know, it's very, very relevant. He, he, Shakespeare said, um, uh, nothing is either good or bad except thinking makes it so. You know, nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so, you know, it, you know, how you look at something is, you know, completely dependent on you. And it's also going to uh, make a huge difference in, in how it affects you. Um, you know, you can look at the pandemic as, as an opportunity to spend more time with your family, enrich your personal life, you know, develop some new habits, break some old habits. Or you could say, uh, you know, woe is me and, uh, you know, just sit around lethargic and not be able to do anything. You know, it's all right. it's so, all attitude. So what are some of the um i know that 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 when i was with you a couple times ago uh i went up to you and i talked to you i said do you got any books and you gave me this book called elder law and i was i read it from i mean listen i thought this was gonna be boring but it wasn't it was like i'm i'm reading this thing i said this this and you can get that on amazon.com right Joe, 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 you know, it's not really a page turner, you know, but but you're making it, uh, you know, you're making a good case for it. Well, it's 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 written in plain English. I will say that it's easy to understand. And um, this is, you know, if I was born with a gift, uh, it was it was the gift of being able to communicate in a way that people can understand. Lawyers virtually have a very hard time doing this. You know, I've heard other lawyers speak. And, you know, when a lawyer speaks. Uh, or gives a public seminar on elder law estate planning, they can't just say something as it is. So they'll say, well, here's the rule, but if this, then that, and then if that, then that, and if that, then this, but this is an exception to that, okay? And as soon as you start starting with with but or the exception, you completely lose people because it's, it's, it's too much. People can't absorb. Their... So I've had lawyers criticize me not anymore, but in the past, you know, I'm too senior now to, to, to have that problem. But they criticized me and saying, well, you know, the information you're stating is not completely accurate. I said, listen, I'm not trying to train people to take the bar exam. I've given them enough information, general information, they can go forward and get something done. You know, the specific can come later. But lawyers, they can't state things generally because it's not 100 percent exactly correct. But, you know, let, you can't me, communicate let, that how, way. First of all, this, this breakfast thing, I, I want to understand the logistics of this. Do you have it every two years or do you stagger it or how do you do it? Well, every two years, we invite all our clients to breakfast. We also invite their next of kin, meet the lawyer. Uh, they can bring whoever they want. The you know, door is open. We set up two buffets. 
one on each side of the room, and we open them up from both sides. So you got four lines of people going because you know, uh, you know how. What's the record for the biggest? What's the record for the biggest turnout for the breakfast? Well, uh, the firm is so large, we have to have a number of breakfast, but you know, uh, probably around two hundred and fifty on average. Uh, that's a lot of that's a lot of eggs and bacon. Oh my gosh, is it ever? But um, you know, it's very it's very rewarding. You see people, you know, year after year. You you actually are building relationships. You know, satisfaction, professional satisfaction comes entirely out of the relationships you know uh, that you have with people and what's what's more enriching than you know building and developing relationships with people over time there's there's, there's nothing better so you know it, it, it pays for itself in, in in so many ways but yes. you know i i was listening to some of the reviews um of folks and by the way if you go to trustlaw.com you should really sit down and watch the 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 videos that uh, Michael and Susanna put together describing what they do. Um, there's one of them that's a half hour that, that breaks it down pretty well, uh, a lot better than than than, uh, than we've done today. But I just wanted to introduce folks to to Michael and and uh, his firm. But the one thing that hit me was that one of the folks there was it was a, a senior um, husband and wife and. They were talking about their legacy and and they want it wasn't just their money. They wanted to share their life's work. And I I was like, wow, that that really put it the the right way is that they wanted to share their life's work with with their kids and their grandkids. And they wanted to talk to somebody that could help them do it. And, you know, Michael, it's been great talking to you. I'm hopeful that we'll talk again down the road. But I, I tell you, I'm. Um, I'm very impressed with what you've done at trustlaw.com and at your law firm in New York. You have 15 locations, isn't that right? 15, yeah. We'll uh, we'll try to hold on to all of them through this, Joe. No, you'll be. You, I'm sure you'll be fine. I, if I was you, I'd double down, my friend, because mm. there isn't any other lawyer in America that has this process, and you basically get to control the process of uh, disability and. All of us are going to die, so you get the process of controlling what happens in the future. So, you're right. You know anyway, what? You know what, Joe? You're right. As long as the mortality rate sticks at around 100, percent we should be okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Michael. Okay. I really appreciated talking to you. Thank you, thank you, Joe. A pleasure. Hope to do it again soon. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.